Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Market House has the cleanest, leanest, juiciest meat and seafood shipped to your home overnight. Expect the service of a local butcher and the convenience of a large supplier. Unlike many online butchers, you can grab just one meal's worth or lock in for a subscription box. Choose from grass-fed and grass-finished beef, American Wagyu, free-range poultry, grass-fed lamb, wild-caught king crab, seafood, and more. For 15% off your first order, use code COUNTRY at checkout. Just visit MarketHouse.com. That's M-A-R-K-E-T-H-O-U-S-E dot com. And use the code COUNTRY. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on FishingBooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Hey y'all, I'm KC. And I'm Tyler. And this is the Elk Hunting Series from the Element Podcast. If you want to get on elk, it helps to hang with dudes that know elk. And that ain't us, but luckily the dudes that know elk have cell phones and we call them up. So whether you're a veteran of September or you're just cutting your ivories in the elk woods, you're going to hear something here that'll help you get the full draw this fall. If you find this podcast helpful, poke that subscribe button and go check out our elk hunting playlist on YouTube. Now let's rock and roll. All right, so now on the phone, we've got Eric Whiting, and this guy, let's see, unofficially, we have to give him an unofficial title, KC, because <laughs> okay. uh, he didn't want any official titles. Um, unofficially, I'm going to say Elk Slayer in the OTC units in Colorado. Let's say that. You gave away too much. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Did I? <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, man. The pressure is on with some title like that now. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you have uh, you have uh, had success in some of the OTC units, so we're going to talk about that some. Um, you also um, are going to not be hunting OTC this year, so that's exciting, and we'll let you talk about as much of that or as little of that as you want to. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll – just kind of go through um you know we have we're gonna have some names on this on this series that are guys that you and i and kc were just talking about as being like um dudes that kill big elk and have some kind of notoriety and do a good job and everything but uh what we want to appeal to are the people who listen to this podcast and a lot of those people are guys who don't live in elk country so they're going to be hunting otc units if they go a lot of times um, and they're not going to have a ton of experience and they're looking to kill rags and, you know, of course if a 350 walks in, that's great. But, you know, like for me, even I've never killed an elk. I've been on you know, a few elk hunts or whatever. And some of them I've videoed, some of them I've, I've been the hunter and, uh, it's never worked out for me. And I think that one thing guys can get really discouraged by 
is, uh, you know, I, for instance, I'll take my dad as an example. Like he, he, he loves to hunt, but he doesn't want to go out into the elk woods and not know what he's doing and not have a chance to shoot a nice elk. And so like for him, you know, he would probably come home with a rag, but he probably uh, wouldn't be super thrilled about it. And I think there's guys out there like that. And I think there's guys out there that just want to kill an elk like me and KC sometimes, you know, you've got the same mentality when you're, when you're in OTC especially. And so this is an exciting podcast for us to do, man. So uh, the first thing I want to do is kind of talk about um, who you are. And obviously you're from Colorado. Well, that's not obvious. I don't guess, but, uh, <laughs> you know, you've hunted you a lot in Colorado. Tell. You are from Colorado. So there's a little bit of local knowledge that you're able to gain, I think, uh, for sure. Um, but you grew up in Colorado, right? Yeah. It's a little bit of a different perspective than most people. I, I'd say I, I grew up in, um, Western Colorado, uh, elk country and, and I, I wasn't like a super big hunter or anything. I mean, I, I would rifle hunted, very fair weather, like his high school kid, um, while I, I did cross country on Saturdays and Sunday, you know, afternoon, I would go out in the woods for about three hours and call it good. Um, so it, it's like, it's more, um, it wasn't like I grew up doing it and I had to, had to kind of learn how to, how to hunt, um, later in life. But yeah, I'm in Colorado, which, which entirely informs why I hunt the way I do and why I hunt over the counter elk. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I lived anywhere else, I'm sure I would, would be doing that, but this have, is, have you hunted outside of Colorado for elk? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I've hunted Wyoming. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so was that like comparable to, uh, like, is that an attainable unit or is that something that you're, uh, that most people wouldn't have a shot at in Wyoming? Yeah. 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 It's, it's totally attainable. It's so I've been on two hunts in Wyoming, limited draws, um, very attainable. And I have a seven point and a six point from those hunts. All right. And then in Colorado, I have yet to shoot a six point. (laughs) Yeah. So, so we have, okay. So we have a lot of deer hunters on the podcast. What do you mean by seven point? Let's, let's clear this up. We're, we're talking, you know, Western elk style. So seven on each yeah. side. So yeah. pretty studly. He's studly. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know if I'll ever shoot a bigger bull than that one. It yeah. was just, that was a pretty incredible hunt, um, with my dad and, uh, just a really cool spot where he grew up and where he hunted with my grandpa. And so, yeah, cool. that's cool. So how many bulls total have you shot? Um, I mean, uh, one, two, three, four, fingers five, and toes six. Now. <laughs> Take your socks off. <laughs> <laughs> no, not that many. It's, I, six. Six. Yeah. That's awesome. That's quite Seven. a few, man. Seven. Oh, oh. keep adding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's cool. So, so five Colorado bulls and two Wyoming bulls, right? Is that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. So yep. is there a major difference like in, in the style of hunting or, or, or whatnot that you, you know, had to do Wyoming versus Colorado? Yeah, huge difference. Um, and that's one of the coolest things about elk hunting is all the different tools in the toolbox, so to speak. And that's what I really love about it is you, you get to play it however, um, whatever is going to make you more successful wherever you are. And where I happen to be in Wyoming was, you know, it's, it's not a hard hunting to draw by any means, but there's just no one else out there. And the elk are doing elky things. And mm. so they were behaving like elk would, which made them very callable and 
uh, that meant that the best tactic in those in that scenario, both those scenarios, was to call in um, the first year herd bull, and the second year was a, a big old satellite bull. Mm. Um, and calling was 100% the way to go in that place. Whereas most of the stuff I learned on um, here in Colorado, you know, the elk are generally running from calls and especially <laughs> bugles. Yeah. 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 So, uh, how do you know that it's a herd bull and that the other is a satellite bull? So, in, in those situations, I'll, I'll just do a quick run through what they look like. But, mm-hmm. um, the seven point, I actually glassed him up. He's the first bull I saw on that hunt. He was way up on this remote bench, um, kind of a tight bench and a little bit away from where all the other elk were. So like, that's a good sign that he was one of the better bulls in the area. Um, just cause he's, he's like, I'm in a spot sitting tight. No one's going to really mess with me and my cows. Um, so I knew exactly where he was and, and was able to sneak in close enough to him and you know, like I, I knew the bull I was going after at that point and that he had a herd with him. Uh, whereas last year's bull in Wyoming, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we didn't actually know exactly where the herd bull was. Um, so it caused some confusion there, but we did see two satellites across the drainage. Uh, and there was just so much excitement going on with, with elk going berserk. And then, we just threw out this estrus call and just like this guy came all the way across the drainage for it. Actually, both of those satellite bulls came entirely across the drainage um, at a run. And the bigger one that I ended up shooting chased off the smaller one multiple times. And it was like they were just losing their mind crazy, um, which is just so different from anything I generally experienced here in Colorado. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's so fun too. Like, I mean, how bonkers for an elk to come running a quarter mile all the way down a hill, then another 200 yards back up a hill, right into my lap, um, just screaming his head off. Like, that's insane, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. So, I, hey, talk about it, uh, what the estrus call is real quick. So estrus calls more of like a cow and heat call where she's generally you'll hear a little bit later in the season. I would say towards the end of September um, might even in some of these States that have early October rifle hunts, that's kind of a call that would maybe work better at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's like a cow and heat. And so later in the season, when um, a lot of cows have been bred, you, you throw out a, a call like that and you got all these, ca- these bulls that are kind of like, They've been fired up. Season's been rolling on a little while, and they're all just running around um, looking for those last hot cows. Mm-hmm. And so you throw out an estrus call, and um, you know the idea behind it is that that it's like, hey, this cow just came in a heat. Um, everyone's kind of battling for these these last cows, and and so it creates a lot of excitement with those bulls. Is it yeah. kind of like just a long drawn out, longer kind of? cow call or is like what's the sound like as compared to what you would normally hear somebody cow calling uh so like i I usually do sweet cow calls like where it's like a little bit softer kind of nicer tone but then a estrus one would have that like like, i don't know how to do it without a call on me it's kind of of buzzy at the end right it's got that buzz like yeah yeah, almost yeah Yeah, okay totally yeah it's like uh you can almost equate it not equate it but 
think of a mallard drake type e oh, thing like yeah. that in yeah. it and that's kind of that's kind of what, what it is but that's so calling isn't really your forte i mean it sounds like you're plenty proficient in it but like when you go to colorado you talked about elk running the other way right yeah totally i mean calling is a like a i'm not it's the last sort of ditch effort here in colorado i've yeah. tried it a million times it's never worked I know guys that it does work for, mm-hmm. for sure, in over-the-counter units. Yeah. Um, and, and I do. <laughs> I've called I in both my bulls from Colorado. You know, it's it's yeah. weird. But it's kind of like um, I'll walk around with a key looking for a door that it fits, you know? Right. Yeah, yeah. That's what I hear from the guys that are doing it as well, where it's just like, I want to hunt and kill the bulls that I'm in right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I'm in a bowl, I want to figure out what tool is going to be the best one to actually like drop that elk right there. So yeah, sometimes I'm doing like, I'm fishing with some cow calls as I'm walking through the forest, mm-hmm. just seeing what's going on. But, um, I mean, there's so many other tactics. That's what's so sweet about elk hunting is you got, you know, you can spot and stock them like you would a high country muley, or you can, um, ambush one on a bench or a saddle, um, Sometimes you can spot and stock on little benches. Um, I mean, there, there's just so much a person can do. Like a, a lot of success for these overtown to the, over the counter guys happens while sitting wallows. As yeah. boring as that sounds. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've done it. It is boring, very much. Yes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but and I haven't had success with that. But I know I know guys do. Um, so I've got a question for you, kind of broader uh, in that sense, though. Um, you know, we're talking a lot of OTC stuff here. Um, I have one particular unit that I've hunted m- most of my elk hunting career uh, in Colorado and have had good success compared to, like, the unit's numbers, but I don't kill every year, you know. But um, I feel like my advantage in that is is going back to that unit year after year and kind of knowing where the pockets of elk tend to be. Um, but... I also really have this like yearning to go check out new stuff. Do you feel like as, you know, if a guy's going to approach elk hunting as an OTC hunter, it's good to know, like just know a unit like the back of your hand, or is it good to jump around and learn new things and look for new and better opportunities? For sure. Like I, I couldn't agree more that knowing a unit and knowing where you are and how the elk behave and how the other hunters behave in that area yeah. means the world. Like, just spending time during the rut in an area is key. Cause I mean, the elk, like you can go in there during the summer. They're not going to behave the same way. Oh no. Yeah. And you like, I, I spend a ton of time e-scouting, but you, you still can't picture exactly how the elk are going to behave or, you know, where all the, the they're, where they're going to be running around to where all the wallows are, they're going to hit. Um, what, what sort of go-to bedding areas there are. I mean, there, there's some of these bedding areas under pine trees. You look at them on, uh, on a, you know, digital map and, and it just looks like trees, but then you get there and it's a full on barnyard underneath some of these <laughs> yeah. pine trees. It's crazy. Yeah. And same could be said for wallows and, uh-huh. and, and all sorts of things like that. And you just don't know until you go there and then you start going and it's like, it's like the black map starts coming to light Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. and you start seeing how, how it actually is in the real world and how the elk move and, um, and, and you find stuff and you're like, Oh, here's a wallow. Yeah. There's nothing going on here, but yeah. Mental map. 
keep this noted or, or here's a little spring. Um, here's this little bench, like in the middle of nowhere, it looks perfectly flat, uh, or, or not flat. It looks, it looks like it's perfectly on angle with a slope when you're looking at a topo, but mm-hmm. here we go. It's like a 10 yard deep bench, perfectly flat on this hillside. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and so you find all these little spots, uh, or is what I do. And then I start making these mental maps and year after year, I learn more and I, branch out a little bit further, a little bit further. That's important as well. Yeah. Um, so I'm always learning more and adding more to the map. Yeah. Um, cause then all I do during season is I just start playing connected dots, right? I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, here's where I'm going first. And once I go there, if there's no sign, here's where I'm going second. And it's like, I got a full route already planned in my head, um, of what I'm going to do, where I'm going to go. And, um, then it just comes down to execution, right? Like yeah. You're going and you're like, okay, here we go. Yeah. This swallows dry. Next one you get to, okay. This one, um, looks like it's had a little action maybe a, a week ago or, or something's been walking around, but there's been no, um, you know, wallow really behavior. Someone's just been drinking out of it, you know, so you keep moving and then, you know, you, you, you keep moving and you go uphill maybe a little bit of some of these big bedding areas and you start smelling. You're like, bingo right there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's awesome. I dude. like it, man. So, um, you've mentioned a ton of good stuff and we're going to try to break it down a little bit. Uh, there's so many things I want to talk to you about because I just love this stuff. Right. <laughs> but I think one of the first things you mentioned just then was e-scouting and, uh, you know, you said you do a ton of that, but there's things that you can't see e-scouting. Right. But, uh, if a guy is in like West Virginia and he doesn't draw one of their coveted elk tags over there, um, <laughs> what? Which like, he's not going to. Yeah, he's not, probably not going to. <laughs> That's what you're saying. Uh, very tough, very tough draw. But uh, so all he can do is e scout, pretty much, unless he's going to take a trip out west with his family in the summer. And then it's like real minimal what you can actually get done on a trip like that. Uh, I know from experience. But um, what are you going to look for when you're looking at, you know, the plethora of Colorado? OTC units like if you want to narrow it down to a unit or two like how are you going to look at it from like a topo or aerial viewpoint how do you how do you narrow it narrow down to a unit that way oh man that's so hard and and like it's hard for me to say because I didn't start that way you yeah. know what I mean yeah. like I started hunting around my house I'm like here's the woods I'm just going to go out there yeah same, um, same way here I'm not around my house but like my family has been hunting the same unit since the 70s off and on it's just understood that's where we're going. You know, I didn't have to do that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, it, I mean, it's so hard to say because I, cause I do run into guys and like, I know exactly where everyone's going to pick out on Google Earth. And it's a good spot. <laughs> I'm yeah. telling you. Yeah. Uh, there's, there could be out there. But there's also like tons of guys. And, and for, I'll just give you an example. Hiking in last, uh, last September, I went in opening weekend uh, to a spot and like I, I passed three guys right out the gate. And so they were just so loaded down with gear, you know, and it was all the great gear, but it was like, they're not going to go anywhere. Like they're not going to get anywhere close to where they need to get to. And then I get up to where I'm planning on hunting. And, and I'm like in a very particular spot, like hidden campsite, all this stuff. And then, um, I, I get up to this ridgeline and start glassing around for elk. And there's three different groups of people on these surrounding ridgelines that I'm glassing up. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
I know two different ones of those groups. Like I, I saw their campsite was on the ridge. But the other thing is like they couldn't even move off the ridge. And, and so it's like they get there, but then they can't hunt once they get there because they're just whooped. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I would say you, you're going to find a lot of s- stuff that looks real elky. Um, but keep in mind, like you still got to hunt them once you get there. Mm-hmm. And that's where the actual hunting starts. Like the, these two guys I saw on the, on this, they were bivy camping on a saddle where the elk used yeah. all the time. And they were so much as like, there's a little snow on the saddle. They were melting snow, um, and boiling that mm. for their water. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and they couldn't leave. Like they, they weren't, they were totally immobile. Mm-hmm. Like they couldn't go anywhere cause they were just crushed. And then, um, you know, so they were up there for the weekend and then, uh, Monday morning, when they walk down the mountain, that's when I end up shooting the elk. And it's just <laughs> like, you, you got to be able to hunt them once you're there. But um, it, it's just funny because, like, you, you see these spots on Google Earth and it's like, yeah, man, this is the spot for sure. But, yeah, I, I would just say, you know, make sure you can hunt wherever you are. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. And pretty much. Uh, if the lines look sort of tight, it's still really steep. And when you're talking <laughs> topo, that's something I've learned, at least being a flatlander. It's like, if you look at something, you can definitely tell like the real steep stuff because the lines are almost touching, right? But then like you look at something you're like, oh, those lines are kind of spread out. That's still going to be pretty steep compared to like regular flat ground. Mm. And it's just kind of one of those things that you kind of got to consider. Do you think oh, that yeah. uh, on a lot of these OTC units, there's fairly – Easy act. Uh, easy is not the right word. It's accessible, right? There's not a, a ton of like um, wilderness units, or there are, but there's some that aren't too. Is what I'm trying to say. Like you can definitely oh, yeah. have there's two something tracks. For, there's something for anyone. Yeah. You can, if if you want to hunt the roads, you can absolutely hunt the roads during archery season or rifle season, whatever you want to do. Do you feel um, like uh, bivy hunting a lot of times in OTC units is a little bit of an overcommitment because then you're like stuck where you decided you want to go and or you've at least committed a lot of time and energy to get there? Uh, it depends on how mentally and physically prepared you are. Uh, you like these guys I, I was, I was talking about, like they had bivvies and were trying to bivy hunt, but they were spike camping, spike hunting. Yeah. Like they, they weren't mobile enough, um, and able to function, by walking all day with their camp on their back. Yeah. But in other situations, like if, if you go up and set up a spike camp and, and the elk are out of the drainage, then you might not see them the rest of your hunt. Mm-hmm. And then you're just twiddling your thumbs, like wishing you were back home and missing your family, you know? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that case, like if you are in really good shape and have incredibly light weight gear, like, having being able to be mobile with your gear on your back is a huge asset because then you can keep moving and keep finding those elk. Um, but what the way I like to do it, um, cause I hunt both wilderness areas and, um, BLM and forest service. Oh, now we know where you're at for sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it just, it just depends on so many different factors as to wh- where I'm going to go. And, yeah, sure. mm-hmm. But a lot of times what I'll like to do is I'll, bring 
um, really comfortable stuff and just set up a camp around my car. Mm-hmm. And then um, I'll just start playing connect the dots, right? And, and first thing I got to do is find these elk because they're going to be somewhere. So I don't want to hike in with crazy amounts of weight on my back and absolutely kill myself for the rest of the hunt. Well, all I'm doing is I'm looking for them. Um, so instead of picking out like this drainage on a map and saying, okay, I'm, I'm hiking five miles in here and I'm posting up campsite and this is where I'm hunting. It's like, I'll, I'll drive in, set up camp, which is like super easy and comfortable to do. And then I'll just go light and fast all day hunting until I find them. Mm-hmm. And I'll do that as long as it takes. And then I'm also not committed to a bivy hunt or spike camp if the elk are like two or three miles from the road. Like, I don't need to do that unless I have to. Like, I don't want to make it harder on myself because then I'm not able to perform as well when it, when I actually need to. Right. Um, so, so it'll sometimes take me two or three days before I'll actually commit to a spike camp or a sort of bivy type situation. Uh, but that's only if, if that's what the elk are requiring. Mm-hmm. Um, gotcha. So, so it just kind of depends a little bit. Yeah. You, you talked about this just a second ago when we were kind of discussing some e-scouting stuff and, you know, you mentioned uh, how things can be so much different when you get to a spot that you were looked at looked at on the map and so and like i think about this in the whitetail world um which you you and i and kc have been talking a lot about deer lately um but you you know when you're e-scouting uh say you're going out of state in, in the whitetail world like the same thing happens i mean there's there's a there's guys that are like well-known big buck killers on public land like people just you know think that they're the greatest but they really only hunt, you know, Wisconsin marshes or like Iowa and around their house, you know, and they've killed like, you know, eight booners on public or whatever. And it's like, that's, that's awesome. But, you know, you do have that advantage when, when you hunt there year in and year out. And so, you know, it kind of all plays into what you're talking about here with, um, how things can, can change, uh, when you get in there. So, it's also good to hunt a same, you know, a similar area from time to time. I mean, we see it like we had our buddy Adam down this past week and he was surprised by some of the things that we would talk about. And, and even in the state here, like regionally there deer key in on different things. Some places you're going to see deer eating persimmons a lot and some places you're going to see them eating prickly pear, you know, or something like that. And so, um, they're, you know, elk probably are the same way where like, even though that's an elk food somewhere, in Wyoming, it might not be an elk food really in Colorado because they've got better stuff or different things that they prefer. And so anyway, I'm kind of saying all this to just, to just say that the e-scouting, uh, only goes so far, right? So like how often do you e-scout in an area, go in there and you're surprised by what you find good or bad? Every time. I mean, (laughs) okay. I I have no idea what it's going to look like when I get in there. I, I can look at it as much as I am right now. Like I'm I'm going crazy on Onyx just trying to figure out this um, new unit I'm going to be hunting this year. And I have no idea what it's going to look like till I actually get in there. So what it's going to come down to is I'm just going to have to be able to cover some territory when I get there mm-hmm. and, and find all the, like every little key identifying point I'm looking at right now. 
on these on this map or that I've kind of e-scouted up, I'm gonna have to go check it all out first and foremost. Like mm-hmm. it's, I'm gonna have to get in there during season, see what's happening. Okay, how are the elk moving? Like here I am on day one, elk are in one spot. On day two, the elk are in another spot. So you, I'm just learning what they're doing, what their patterns are, where they're moving, what they how they respond to pressure. Um, what all these different key marking points look like. Um, and then that'll allow me to go in and, and hopefully be effective when it comes to time to pull the trigger. Yeah. Are you, so you're, you're going to be able to go in there some before season, I'm guessing. Yeah. I don't know. Um, just with a new one, new little guy at home, I don't know how much time I'm going to get to go down there. Cause this is, um, it's about four hours away, which, you know, it's, it's not very far. I've got, a, I've got things, a child carrier backpack, man. <laughs> Get after it, you know, put oh, him on your back and go. I know. I got one of those too. I'm, I'm looking forward <laughs> to taking him out there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I want to, but, um, I also just know like so much of it comes down to during the season. Um, like it, it's great getting up there during the summer, mm-hmm. but everything changes once the, the rut starts kicking in. Like yeah. the elk behavior is so different. Honestly, like right now is one of my favorite times to scout, like probably this weekend or last weekend, because the snow is just kind of melting in these high country spots. So you mm-hmm. can get a good lay of the land mm-hmm. before all the vegetation comes up. But come like July, when it's kind of a traditional spot time for people to go scouting, I mean, the grass is deep. Yeah. Uh, the elk are in their summer ranges. They're not obviously even close to having showing any rut behavior um everything just changes Mm -hmm. so it's like this time of year if i am going to do any on the ground scouting i'll I'll try and do it like right now um early june to late june maybe uh and then i'm I'm just looking for the same stuff i'm looking for when i'm e-scouting and it's you know rubs benches wallows dark timber escape routes escape routes are huge because you'll probably you're probably going to scare some elk so it's always nice knowing where they're going to (laughs) go yeah so talk about that like everything just seems so much bigger by the way the snow just melted here too i just (laughs) want to make that point uh several months ago um so but the escape route thing like when i think about escape routes for like a deer or something a lot of people talk about them when you're when you're looking at like property management and creating bedding and people talk about like hinge cutting trees to create bedding but you have to leave an escape route of the deer doesn't feel comfortable bedding in there i'm guessing that this is a similar a similar thing so like or is it to where like uh, for instance if you bump elk that are bedded or elk that are on their feet is this going to be two different things or is it all a similar escape route and like how big is an escape route because for a deer it could be like 20 yards. You know what I mean? It, it could be a whole lot different. Uh, I mean, as far as to answer the one question about, you know, if they're betting versus, versus standing, I, I wouldn't necessarily say that matters as much. I, I think it's more of how do they bust me? Is it, do they see me? Do they smell me? Do they hear me? Like what's going on? Mm-hmm. Like if, if they smell me, then they are escaping for miles. Like they're yeah. fully gone. Yeah. Peace out. No You've never no. seen those all again. <laughs> yeah. Um, if they, if one sees you and say a herd of 10, like, yeah, you can actually keep dogging up for a little bit, probably like they're going to move off a little bit, but the herd bull is going to gather up that herd again and like 
say, Hey, what's the deal? Like chill out. You're mm-hmm. like, I'm under, I'm in control of this situation. And so you can kind of like hang with them a little bit sometimes if, if just a cow sees you, um, if they hear you, you know, just know they're gonna hear you generally when you're approaching. So it's like that they're probably not going to bump, um, but they will be curious to know who you are and what you are. Um, and so they should, they're trying to figure out if they should run or not. Um, so a lot of times that's, that's another time when I will throw out a call like that, like, um, sort of call where it's like, Hey, who are you? Sort mm-hmm. of thing. Um, Oh, you got, you've got some, uh, some guns, sir. Yeah, man. I've never <laughs> had what it took to do the bark. Like that's a, uh, that's scary. Well, it's, it's different than a bark in my opinion. Oh, like, like a, a huff or something. Yeah. It's like a higher pitch. I'd say, um, like the barks, like danger, get out of here. Yeah. But it's, it's almost like the precursor to the bark where it's like, Hey, yeah. Like I'm a little uncertain kind of uh-huh. higher pitch voice. Like, uh, <laughs> making yeah. me nervous, dude. Show yourself. <laughs> like, where are you? Yeah. And actually you can keep that in mind. Like it's, this has never worked for me, but I've, I've in the past, I've tried to like have a decoy at, so that I can rip it off my pack with mm-hmm. one hand. Cause I'm like holding my bow with one hand. I want to rip the decoy off with the other hand while still not losing it, hopefully. <laughs> so I'll like, maybe I'll bump a, a little bowl out of his bed or something. And I'll just throw out that quick, like show, show me where you are sort of like noise. And then I'll throw up that decoy and they're like, Whoa, Hey, what's up with you? Like, <laughs> you look a little funny. I haven't met you before. <laughs> sort yeah. of thing. And it's like, if you're with someone, I think there's an opportunity there to kill an elk. So cool. like the person in the front whips out that decoy real quick, freezes the herd or that bull or whatever. And then the other person just like, maybe make some cow noises and sneaks around because you got to do it fast. I yeah. mean, I, I've, I've had one freeze like that for up to five minutes, which is plenty of time if, if you're in the right situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dude, this is why I like talking to people that aren't quote-unquote celebrity status, yeah. you know? Like, they just don't – like, sometimes you get guys that just regurgitate just these things that you hear over and over and over again, and then you talk to somebody like you, and it's like, you know, you're you have some – next level tactics that yeah. you don't hear about very like some often. elk street smart <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. some common sense type <laughs> stuff i don't know if it's next level it's uh <laughs> these other guys are shooting big bulls remember <laughs> sure but yeah. dude yeah but like creative you know what i mean like the creative aspect is what i love man because it gets old there's a million podcasts out there you know what i mean like why would you listen to so-and-so on this podcast when he's going to say the same thing he did on the last podcast you listened to, you know? So <laughs> that's that's what I really love, the creative aspect. So, Have you ever uh, been a little bit willy about whipping out that decoy uh, on little OGC? Willy? <laughs> what? <laughs> What, what did you say? A little Willie? He's a yeah, rapper. Free, free he's, Willie. He's a rapper uh, that Casey's been nah, listening to. Has it ever been kind of, ever felt kind of sketch uh, whipping out that decoy on OTC's ground? Oh, it's, like afraid people are going to shoot me? Yeah. No. Okay. Good. Not not in archery season. Not yeah. even in muzzleloader season. Really? Which is in archery season. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm not worried about that. I, so what I did is I cut off, I got a Montana decoy, which... Um, it was like the one with the the cow elk head that pops out. Yeah. And um, it's like this spring loaded thing that like 
freaks out on you at the slightest <laughs> like i mean it's it's great it's a decoy it's mobile all that stuff but what i ended up doing because I, I just couldn't handle that like and i needed to be able to manage it in one hand so i, I cut that cut its head off and so i <laughs> grab it by the neck now like i made put like a little bar in the neck thing and um so i just like grab it by the neck and just stick it straight up so you just Almost have like, like a- the ones you guys were taught you guys use for whitetails. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. The heads up decoys. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah it's, it's like that, but like a elk version, and it's yeah. a cow. Yeah, we've got a, a elk cow of heads up too, and it's the same thing. You know, it's just like a neck and a head where we caught little Willie. Yeah, she's usually <laughs> Susie. See Susie. Susie too. Um, we call her Susie. Yeah. But uh, so earlier you talked about rubs, and for me, it's never been nothing more than just something really cool to see in the elk woods. But it sounds like you have like some strategy that goes into like when you see rubs. What what is that? It's all. I mean, it's nothing more than like. It's no different than like a track or turge or anything like that. It's yes. just you're, you're looking at it, seeing how fresh it is. Yeah. Um, or like same thing as if you come across a wallow. I'll give you an example that worked. That was pretty cool. Almost worked out really well. It would have been my my only Colorado six point if it had worked out. Um, I was walking along kind of through this bedding area, going kind of slow. It's kind of mid-morning. Things kind of died down a little bit. It's like, well, what am I going to do? Am I going to go check some more wallows, see what's happening, see if I could – what am I going to do now that's you know, things have died down a little bit? But anyway, um, I come past this smaller pine, and I look at it, and it's like, yeah, there's – I've been seeing rubs, obviously, because I'm in where the elk are. And um, But this one was like – this the pine sap hadn't even had a chance to come out of the tree yet oh mm. and so i'm like oh man like this thing just happened there's something real close to me here um so in this situation i actually i got my um that head elk head i was telling you about decoy and i i pinned it to the tree to the pine tree so it was just hanging there because i wanted it to be kind of mobile and not have to hold it the whole time and then i was like okay now i'm just gonna throw out some cow calls just as some of the soft muse, like, hey, what's going on around here? Because it, it had quieted down, so I don't want to do too much noise. Um, and then maybe like 100-ish yards above me, there's some more pines. Um, and it's pretty clear up until there. And sure enough, there's a bull up there. And like, I don't know why he wasn't smelling me. Like my wind should have gone right up to him. But maybe he was smelling me. I don't know. But Basically, he just kept doing this, I would call, and then he kind of like lightly bugle back because he's like a little, you know, he's a little satellite bull. He doesn't want to cause attention to the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of like some of these little squeals. He's like, hey, yeah, just like pop up here, girl. And uh, he ends up just doing like these horseshoe semicircles and around. And he's like obviously looking for me. And the, I don't know, he, may, he probably didn't see the decoy or whatever. Or he's like looking for a rest of a body or something, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, he was not coming in, but he kept doing these squeals. I mean, solid 10 minutes where he's just like, and I, I was trying a lot. Then I was like, ew, 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 like getting after him, like trying to like, cause there's, if there's no way I could have gotten to him cause it was too open and all that. He would have seen me for sure. Um, so I'm like, well, we'll see. Like maybe this guy's still hanging around. So whatever else, keep trying. And finally, after like 10 minutes or so, he just kind of heads straight out of there. I'm like, okay, finally you smell me or something. I don't know. Hmm. Um, 
and because by then it was mid morning that the thermals were going up the, up right to him. Mm-hmm. So I, I was shocked he stayed as long as he did. But uh, then next thing I know, I hear this big old bugle from down below me, and I'm like, okay, there's another one. What, how am I going to get down to him? But then I just see these cows charging right up to, right up to me, and um, this. I mean, it's, I guarantee you, this was the biggest bull within miles and it was a small six point. So this is the type of stuff we're, <laughs> we're going after here. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. Um, but anyway, he chases them up and then they get about a hundred yards away from me just to the side. Like, so they're coming up the hill. The wind's great. And then he bumps them again. It was really cool to watch. And like the, his tongue's out, they're all breathing heavy and he bumps them like 90 degrees come right at me. And then they're like 30, 30 yards and he bumps them again. And they, they come like 10 yards right through me. And I see the, the cows are all funneled through and I'm like, okay, I could have shot this cow. I could have shot this cow, but there's a bull. And like in the past I've, I have like considered shooting cows in that situation just cause you know, yeah. Oh, it was an opportunity, you yeah, know, me too. but I'm like, dang man, I like this bull is surely going to follow and, um, so the cows go by and I'm like, okay, here's the window. Here's the window. And I'm like full drawn. And like, right as he gets this window, I like give him a mew or something to stop. Like, Ew. and like he stops, but like, he's literally 10 yards and there's like this little bush covering the vitals. Uh, like I, I didn't really see it in the heat of the action yeah. until like like he was stopped. I'm like, he stopped right the best spot, but I don't know. Looking back, I, I kick myself a lot for, for his, cause I'm like, I could have probably still shot like a one yard at 10 yards is probably not going to like do too much. I don't know. I've never really well played with that, but uh, you know, I don't know what you were shooting. I'm sure your setup was different, but I, actually, uh, one of those rose bushes cost me an elk at 11 yards, uh, in 2013. I was shooting. Oh, no a, kidding. Yeah, I was. I called in a bull from way, you know, across a meadow. It was, it was awesome, uh, and um, this thing just came in running, and he was, you know, it was the first bull I've ever called in actually, and because uh, I didn't have a clue what I was doing, it just happened. You know, this is like, oh, awesome. Well, um, I didn't have a compound at the time. I thought I was Mister Cool, and I was shooting a recurve, and uh, <laughs> you know, it's just I wasn't really shooting heavy enough. I didn't have a clue what I was doing, pretty much, but. Uh, yeah, I clipped the top of a rose bush that was like at nine yards. Bull was at eleven, and it just went right underneath his belly. So, it's Whoa. something. It's something that you know. I mean, not saying yeah. You, 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 that you, makes me feel better. Yeah. I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I don't know if you should or should not have taken the shot, but you know, at least have some solace in that. You know, at least yeah, you didn't have to deal with the rejection that I did. You know, <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah, I mean, it was, it's still cool experiences, though. I mean, it's like. It's crazy. Like he's he's running by, tongue out, breathing heavy. <laughs> oh yeah, just like mm. oh, so cool. Man, there's but, there's yeah. something about that. Like um, once you get within like thirty yards of an elk, you hear new noises and stuff that like just they become a whole new animal almost. You know, and, totally. Yeah. And not that uh, I'm poo pooing on anyone who rifle hunts elk or anything because it's awesome. But like, dude, when you get tight to them, it is a it's an eye-opening experience because they just—they're so 
so cool <laughs> for lack of a oh, better yeah. adjective, you know? <laughs> like, oh man. yeah. It's crazy. And you start to realize like, dang, I've never really this close to animals. Yeah, like yeah. I see them all the time all over the place, but I'm never actually like in their comfort zone, you know? Yeah. Um, where, where you're seeing them just do like, I don't know, like you walk around town and you see some guy like scratch his head. Like you don't think anything of it, but with, <laughs> I don't know. The elk, with the Rona nowadays, like, you know, anybody's <laughs> it's like, I don't know about that guy. Did he just yeah, touch yeah, his yeah, nose? You see him or cough or and you're like, okay, back off, back <laughs> off. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. For, for sure, man. It, it, it's, it's cool. And like, that's one of the things that, I guess I've started to do lately um, in the last few years is really kind of start putting puzzle pieces together. Where used to, I was just walking around, stumbling into elk and like trying to kill one. And I think that that's, no, I'm nowhere near like proficient at it or an expert, but like I'm starting to understand that you can do this whole thing you're talking about, about understanding where bedding is and wallows and all that stuff and understanding like where you're going to be able to find elk at and that's that's like the cool thing it's 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 one of the things that i think we crave is as outdoorsmen is, is like that closer connection with the animal that you're chasing or at least a lot of us do right yep yeah exactly i mean it's so cool that's what i love about it i mean it's it's this really it's a super high stakes life and death chess match going on um where it's just you versus not them but like the the mountains and lightning and everything yeah Ooh. it's like we'll see what happens out here <laughs> yeah man yeah that's the other thing that i don't think people talk about enough in september is like how the weather can be oh man real, man like let's nobody see. talks about that and yeah. it's it is so crazy dangerous or sketchy i don't know why people don't talk about it because it is forefront in my mind all the time and so like seeing these people camped on these ridges i'm like you guys are crazy because I've been in situations where I've been, you know, way up high on these ridges and then lightning storm rolled in and I go, a, I've literally gone a thousand feet down and seen like tractor beam lightning bolts hit below me Ooh. <laughs> and like not only above me, but below me. Yeah. And it's like, this is some real stuff. Like people get hit by lightning. Elk hunters get hit by lightning. Every single year. Yeah. Mm. Scary, man. man. Yeah, it's a thing. I mean, in 20... What year did you and I go hunt? 2016? 17. 17. So 2017, uh, it wasn't like a thunderstorm as much as just a soaking rain. And it was one of those days where it went from like 80 probably during the daytime to like, you know, right at primetime hits when the rain started, of course. And dude, it got to like 38 and wet and rainy. And we had ice on everything when yeah, we woke up and the we next morning. We weren't prepared really with like, well, we probably were prepared. Sometimes you're hard headed and you're like, oh, it's going to stop. So you don't mess with getting your rain gear out. And then you end up soaking wet and it's like a hypothermia situation <laughs> and you have oh, yeah. to keep moving. Otherwise you're going to freeze to death, you know? Totally. And, and in fact, we met a guy on a two track who was riding his like a little ranger or whatever. And he's like, guys, I'd give you a ride, but I can't stop because I'm freezing. <laughs> you know, we were walking and we were kind of fine, you know. But Wow, like, yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. It's just one of those. And you, I'm sure you Coloradoans like laugh at us. But, you know, Flatlanders, we're just not used to that kind of stuff. You know, it's just stuff that you have to think about or at least uh, need to it's, educate yourself on because you're. You, it's just not something you experience very often. 
Well, it's not even, it's not a flatlander thing either. Like I didn't know until I ran into those situations. Yeah. I didn't know until I was scouting one summer in blue jeans and a cotton t-shirt because it was 80 degrees out with no rain jacket, nothing. And then I get caught in a lightning hailstorm and like freezing my tail off. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like super crazy. And Mm -hmm. it's, and then there's been other, there's other situations like, I was on another time when it rained constantly. It just couldn't get out of it. So everything was drenched. And so finally we had a nice day and I just stripped down my boxers and dried everything out and suntanned the whole day. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, you know, you got to be out here to beat in the elk. So I don't really want to go home. Oh yeah. But you still got to like be in a place where you can functionally like hunt. Cause if you're not comfortable and um, able to be safe, then Like there's not going to be any hunting going on. Yeah. That kind of brings me to a thought, um, that I've been thinking about lately with, um, there's some people, um, that kind of are inquisitive about like, I've done these big family camping trips the last two years where one was like 11 days. We went all the way up to Montana and back. The other one was 28 days. And you know, that's just like in a truck with a topper, no RV, no, you know, anything other than just we're camping basically you know tent camping uh by the truck on our way and so anyway had some people kind of inquisitive about like well what do you take you know and this and that and i'm glad to give out a list of things that i'll take but just it's the same way like when we ask you about your hunting tactic like everybody's going to do it a little bit different right and some people are going to have a different different things that they prefer so, for instance, my dad hates uncomfortable shirts, towels, anything. Like, he can't stand the feeling. But, like, for me, I'll put on the, the you know, most terrible $3 shirt and be okay with it all day usually and not think, two, you know, two times about it if I'm working hard. And so, like, my point is, like, comfort comfort items look different for different people. And basically my my bigger point here is that like until you go and do things you don't really know what you need or what how to do it better until you've done it right and so um i think that a kind of big concept here is that like don't uh overextend yourself when you go on your first elk hunt you know i'm saying like don't go seven miles back into the wilderness on your first elk hunt because you're either going to be miserable probably at some point or you're going to die and it's like you know, preferably neither one of those. Both happen, of those but, are bad options. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, so. exactly. Like, you, what if you don't see elk? Like, you're seven miles in, you don't see elk. What are you going to do? Yeah. You're going to hate yourself, and you're never going to go elk hunting again. Oh, yeah. Or you know? what if you do kill yeah. one, and then you have to figure out how to pack that thing out for seven miles, and you've never done anything close to that? Yeah, you know, totally. But it's the same thing with deer hunting too. Like, it's like if you haven't ever deer hunted. Don't go hunt public land in Texas. You know what I mean? Go <laughs> yeah. go hunt uh go get a uh you know find somebody who you know that'll let you hunt or go you know hunt a feeder, pay for a lease, whatever, you know, just get your feet wet and and learn how to do this a little bit better before you go do it. If you're if you're going to go on a big camping trip, you know, uh camp in a nice campground at first, but do you know do it out of a tent, you know, and then then take yeah. the next step whatever that is, but like you know, don't go on a camping trip that's, you know, at a, the top of a 14 or something like that. You know oh, what I mean? No, thanks. Well, and that's just it too. It's like, do what's comfortable to you. Like that couldn't be, I can't say that like more strongly, like that's a really good point, you know, because 
like, what are you eating when you're at home? What are you sleeping in when you're at home? Mm. Like you come out in the woods and all of a sudden everything's top of the line, brand new, fancy, but you're not comfortable with any of it. Mm -hmm. So like if, if you're going to start wearing like Merino so to keep you safe, you know, if you get covered in lighting, like maybe you should start wearing Merino around every day. Uh-huh. Or, or if you're going to start, you know, if your plan is to eat granola bars all the time on a backcountry hunt, then like, would you eat granola bars every day at your house? Probably not. <laughs> so start like, you know, figuring out a plan that's going to actually feed you yeah. because that's the other thing. Like you're, it's just so weird. Like, the mental aspect starts playing games because you're like, I'm not used to any of this. Yeah. It's so unfamiliar. Like, I just got to get out of here. Yeah. Like, I'm worried about what's going on at home. I'm worried about maybe someone will break into my truck where I parked it. Like, mm-hmm. just weird stuff. Like, mm-hmm. and, and so just having those kind of creature comforts really have helped me a lot get more comfortable in the woods. Oh, yeah. One thing I always do what I always try to do is when I'm sleeping, I try to have one sort of like thing for comfort, which is generally like a Merino shirt. I'm glad you didn't say teddy bear. <laughs> well, it, it's kind of like, I don't know, it could be teddy bear if I roll it up. <laughs> yeah, sure. with it. But, yeah. but it's just something to like, you know, I'm not in my sweaty, nasty clothes because I don't sleep in sweaty, nasty clothes at home. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like, it's just something to make me a little more comfortable and that those little things add up and they just next thing you know you're like you're doing okay out there and you can keep persisting because things are going to get tough so yeah you might as well not make more stuff tougher on yourself yeah right? and that's one of, the you have to. one of the beautiful things about like doing the truck camping thing and you know just doing loops during the day is that uh man around day five whenever you just can't take it anymore you can run to town and get a burger one night you know, and, and like, sometimes that's the pick me up you need to just push through the next couple of days of the hunt. And I've done that on more than one occasion. And I know it's a, I mean, it's a huge morale booster, you know? Oh yeah. That's huge. I mean, could you imagine being the guy who goes into a drainage on day one, seven miles, totally exhausted. Then someone else comes in, scares away all the elk and you're stuck there for another seven days. Yeah. Crying for Ooh. seven days straight. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that sounds like one of my worst nightmares. So like, yeah, for sure. It's it's hugely important to me because then I'm, I'm doing those laps while car camping and say, I go do all my laps and I don't see any good sign that I'm liking. You know, maybe people have been in there super heavily already and it's just, who know, for whatever reason, it's not the kind of sign I'm looking for. It's going to, you know, give me the odds that I'm needing to be successful. Then I just go back to the truck and go somewhere else. Mm, like yeah. it's not that big of a deal. You just, I would say staying mobile is like one of the most critical things for success. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, um, we're kind of running a little bit longer on time than we, what we told you we, we would do. So I've got a plan. All but it's right? good stuff. It's good man. stuff, man. Dead gummit. I could, and we've already know this, but we could talk about this stuff for forever. So <laughs> I've, we're, what we're going to do is just hit you with a couple like real high level hitters, like just kind of like some question and answer stuff for guys who, who maybe you're intimidated by the thought of elk hunting or really want to come out and actually have some success. All right. So. Cool. This is the Eric Whiting 101 How to Hunt Elk School right here. All right. So, um, all right. All right. Are elk food or trophies? Ooh. Oh, man. That's not a 
yes or no question. I didn't say yes or no. I mean, they're trophies. If I wanted to go get food, I'll go to the store. I mean, come on. let's be real here, guys. All right, all right cool. Um, so, uh, if you're gonna, if somebody wants to come out and just kill an elk, what what would be like the paragraph that you would tell them? What what should they do? Spend time where elk are. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Yep. Just it sounds, sounds simple. <laughs> should they yeah. should they stop on the way and, and buy some calls or should they uh, pay more attention to If they to want you? to. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can Yeah, I mean, yeah, I would just say if if there's little things a person can do to be more successful and you want to be, you know, good enough at them that you can do them and successfully, then add those to your toolbox. But at the end of the day, if you're not in elk, you're not going to shoot an elk. Yeah. Um, like you, I would rather you sit in good elk sign all day long than someone be like, well, I give up because I don't have the right, you know, elk call or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got you. Would you uh, tell somebody to try to be there for the opener in archery season or try to be there at the peak of the rut? Yeah, totally opener. Any time of the month, it does not matter whatsoever. Yeah. Um, I shot bulls all through the month. Um, but yeah, it does not matter whatsoever because like I'm for over the counter elk, I'm not just playing the calls. I'm, I'm using every tool in the toolbox. I'm spotting stocking. I'm sitting wallows. I'm hanging out of saddles, whatever it may be. Um, if I'm only planning on hunting a herd bull, then yeah, probably the last couple weeks of the month. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, you're probably going to be hunting the last couple weeks of the month this year. Cause you're looking for a big one, right? Yeah. That's what I'm trying to do this year. I, I do cool tags. So it's, a uh, it's, it's a little bit different going in blind. Um, but really looking forward to it. And yeah, for the first time, I think I'd be okay. Not pulling the trigger on a, a elk that's, you know, over the counter quality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you, how, like if you, if you get a chance to hunt elk the next 10 years, how many elk do you expect to kill? Mm. Uh, if, if it's one tag per year, then, I mean, I expect to kill one every year. Mm-hmm. Like, like I may not, but like every second I'm out there, I expect to kill mm-hmm. one. Gotcha. Uh, like, it's, like it. that that sounds weird but like you got to be fully in it or you're fully out of it yeah that's how i mean that's how you get through the 10 till 2 time period otherwise you just go crazy for those four hours in the middle of the day you know like, yeah exactly it could be like man i know there's some fresh sign right over this little turn oh nothing whatever it's just yeah. it doesn't matter <laughs> yeah i'm going that next spot whatever yeah. the next spot like yeah, I mean, every second I'm out there, I, I anticipate killing one. When you're when you're looking at um, like OTC units doing some 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 like internet scouting and stuff, how much attention do you pay to like success rates and herd densities and stuff like that? I don't pay any attention to that stuff. Mm-hmm. That doesn't ma- that doesn't matter at all. Yeah, it's a, it's all about what I do out there. That's yeah. the only thing I can control. Yeah, I like it. How cool. do you know that there's elk in a unit? Uh. If if 
if it's a Western Colorado unit, there's probably going to be over the counter elk unit. There's going to be some elk there. Nice. Mm-hmm. That makes me feel good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome, dude. Well, good luck this coming year, man. We we're gonna keep close tabs on it, man. We're gonna we're gonna be wishing you the best luck, sending you all the good vibes and everything, man. And and uh, thanks for hopping on the phone with us, man. Awesome. I'm, I appreciate you guys' time, and I'm humbled to be on. This is cool. Well, thanks, dude. We'll, uh, we'll be talking to you. Right on. Now that was some killer info. Don't forget to subscribe, and a five-star review means a ton to us. Remember, this is your element. Living it. Market House has the cleanest, leanest, juiciest meat and seafood shipped to your home overnight. Expect the service of a local butcher and the convenience of a large supplier. Unlike many online butchers, you can grab just one meal's worth or lock in for a subscription box. Choose from grass-fed and grass-finished beef, American Wagyu, free-range poultry, grass-fed lamb, wild-caught king crab, seafood, and more. For 15% off your first order, use code COUNTRY at checkout. Just visit MarketHouse.com. That's M-A-R-K-E-T-H-O-U-S-E dot com. And use the code COUNTRY. Hey, we're going to take a little break here and talk about interstate batteries. Now, if you're like me, enjoying the great outdoors, you need gear that is as reliable as it gets. That's why I power my adventures with interstate batteries. I use interstate batteries in my boats. I use interstate batteries in my camper. Great for your truck, too. From Alaska to Montana, they're outrageously dependable. Battery is essential. With over 150,000 dealer locations, finding one is easy. For all your vehicles, land or sea, choose interstate. Head to interstatebatteries.com and find your power today.